0: Not a matter of if, but when, a crisis could turn your world upside down. I'm Rashini Rajkumar, crisis strategist, licensed attorney, and host of The Crisis Files. In each case file, we explore a real crisis or a ripped-from-the-headlines controversy. My Crisis Squad and I are here to find solutions. Our suggestions and those of our guests are meant to empower you to handle your own crisis or prevent crises from happening. We do not provide legal, financial, medical, or PR advice for particular situations, but strongly recommend you seek out professionals to help your specific need. Our guest today is Jackie Berry. She's a realtor with Edina Realty in the Twin Cities metro area and sits on the board of directors of the Minneapolis Area Realtors Association. Minnesota's largest local realtors association with 10,000 members. Jackie also chairs the organization's diversity, equity, and inclusion committee. She's here for the case file I call Racism in Real Estate. Here's a sobering statistic. One in four black households in the state of Minnesota own their own home, which gives Minnesota one of the lowest rates of black home ownership in the country, and it's been falling since the 1950s. The situation is better for Hispanic homeowners, with nearly half owning their own homes. But there is still a gap. For Minnesota's Asian households, the home ownership rate is 60 percent. By contrast, the Minneapolis Federal Reserve Bank reported slightly more than three in four white Minnesota households owned their own home in 2019. Barriers persist when it comes to buying and selling a home for black households, including whether or not they're getting a fair appraisal. Jackie, why the disparity?
1: You know, it's a really complex answer that involves some historical context. In Minnesota, in 1910, real estate developers in particular decided that racial covenants should be put onto property deeds. And these racial covenants were put on these deeds to block certain people from being able to buy, occupy, rent, lease the land. In most cases, these were racial covenants. Some of the language refers to Turkish, Moorish, Chinese, people of African blood or descent.
0: So like an all-out ban, is that what that means? Pretty much for almost everybody who was
1: non-white. Most people say, well, that was in 1910. How does that have an effect today? We see that effect today because the median sales price for homes that had racial covenants on them is much higher than homes that did not all of these racial covenants that have been discovered have language that blocks african americans from being able to buy the land some of them include other races but almost every single one that's been found has blocked african americans from buying that land these disparities have also led to wealth gap so when we think about generational homeownership if my family owned a home in the past, A, they have the education behind home ownership to guide me through the process, and B, they may have some home equity, some wealth, some funds to help me purchase my own home.
0: Right. It's no secret that home ownership is a vehicle to wealth, holding on to wealth, growing wealth, and passing it on. Yes, and some statistics show
1: us that from 1930 to 1960, across the nation now, not just Minnesota, 1% of home mortgages went to African-Americans. 99% went to the rest of the population, largely the white population.
0: Tell me a little bit about the whole appraising situation, because I know that is another sticking point. And have we moved past that sticking point?
1: No, we have not moved past that sticking point. It's found that for African-American families, for Latino families, non-white families, it has been found by the National Fair Housing Alliance through a research project they did that there was definite discrimination found in a percentage of the homes that were appraised. Also within the appraisal industry, it's approximately 96 percent white appraisers, 70 percent men. And so when we think about the unconscious biases or some of the overt biases that could be present there just due to that demographic, it's staggering.
0: So some of this history you're telling us about has to do with real people running real records, businesses, trying to get loans, the appraisal process. But then there's also the whole highway construction situation. And that's something that's been referred to definitely in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area, possibly other parts of the country. How did that play into racism in real estate? In some
1: cities, Minneapolis and St. Paul highways were deliberately placed through neighborhoods, especially the Rondo neighborhood. This was a black neighborhood in St. Paul and the construction of 94 was deliberately placed through that neighborhood to break that up. Those homeowners weren't even given the value of their homes when this occurred. And then displaced to neighborhoods where there are other concerns, environmental concerns, industrial zoning right next to these neighborhoods, lack of amenities where the home values just aren't the same.
0: And what about the loan products themselves? Because I know interest rates matter. We're in a climate where interest rates are rising. How does that play into this?
1: People of color largely are given subprime loan mortgages, meaning loans with higher interest rates, over white people. There are statistics that show that even high-earning income African Americans were given subprime loans more often than low-earning whites. Having some regulations in place for the lenders to make sure this doesn't happen is one thing, but being able to enforce them is another. And we're still seeing some of that disparity here today.
0: Let's talk about possible solutions and also a pretty groundbreaking move that the Minneapolis Area Realtors Association took in October of 2022 when it issued an apology. Why did Mar do this?
1: So we as realtors came out with an apology, I think in 2020, and there's been a couple other cities that have done this as well. But we wanted to not only come out with an apology statement, but also take it a step further and make suggestions for policy change. It didn't make sense to us to just give the lip service of an apology without saying, and we see these changes being beneficial in increasing the homeownership rates for people of color in particular, and the homeownership rates overall. We have really prided ourselves on some of these policy changes that we are recommending and in fact have already started the work on.
0: And how does that play out with realtors on the ground? How are they taking the moves? Are they getting more training? Are they open? Do they understand some of the issues that still persist when it comes to real estate?
1: Yes. With Minneapolis area realtors in particular, anybody who becomes a member there or transfers over from a different association goes through our new member orientation. And so what we've began to implement there is we talk about the housing discrimination. We talk about the disparity gap, how it was created and what they can do to increase their business practices to ensure that they're not leading towards more of a homeownership gap or this disparity. But in fact, the opposite making sure that their business practices are equitable, and the same for everyone across the board. We've also informed the members about our role. In the past, not everyone was accepted into our association, locally, state, and nationally, right? And so we were ashamed of that, and we're trying to do something different to increase the realtors of color in this industry and also, again, that home ownership rate. We have dedicated funding to a program called Pathways to Achievement, It's put on through the Minnesota Association of Realtors, but we are dedicating some funding to sponsor realtors with that program. And what they do is they remove some of the barriers to entry into our industry by funding the dues for a year or two of these realtors, matching them with a broker mentor who's going to be able to guide them and make sure they have a successful start to their career. And just always having feedback, checking in with them, continuing ed, covering some of their conference costs to make sure they have a good start at becoming a really phenomenal realtor. In August 2022, we also made a change to the purchase agreement form. It used to be that a buyer would have to disclose where their down payment funds came from. And the issue with that is if I'm getting down payment funds from a local organization or a lender, I would have to disclose that. But if I'm getting gift funds from a family member or a friend, I would not have to disclose that. If you think about the demographics of where those come from, there leaves some room for discrimination. So we were successful in asking the state association to remove that from the purchase agreement. And I can say that we successfully did that in August.
0: So, Jackie, as you know, I'm a woman of color, and I really believe in hard work and good work ethic gets you far. But you and I both know that sometimes systems can be working against us, right? And so it's so important that your organization took this head on and understands it's not rose-colored glasses. There's still work to be done. I love hearing that you're also supporting or urged the National Association of Realtors to support the creation of a federally funded down payment assistant program because we hear about that down payment and that can be such an impediment to buying a house, but it's an important thing, it's a needed thing. Tell us about that. Definitely the first generation
1: aspect to that is something that's really important, right? Because as I shared with you earlier, people of color weren't always able to purchase homes. There were so many barriers there. And so someone who's first generation, who doesn't have guidance, who doesn't have those funds, it's really important that we remove that barrier for them. And I'm happy to say that the letter that we sent and the petition to the national board occurred in November and it passed. We should see some federal funding for that come in
0: the near future. We'd love to kick off 2023 with that funding and word that that funding has gone through. Well, you're a real realtor on the ground. What is it like on the ground now doing your work? Do you feel things are opening up? Do you feel things are getting more equitable? And a reality check. I mean, no matter who you are, you don't want to overspend on a home. You want to buy something within your means, too.
1: For me, it's different because I'm in here boots on the ground doing this work. So I do see the change. There have been instances where I've been denied showings, me and my Black clients denied a showing, even though I can confirm I have a showing. I have been out with a white client and have a realtor hand over the keys to that client thinking they're the realtor without even asking. A, we're not supposed to hand the keys over, but B, I can only imagine why that assumption was there. But I will say that there's so many organizations out here doing home education, home buyer classes. We are seeing a lot more funding. For example, Ramsey County Suburbs just opened up a funding program for first-time, first-generation buyers that we're hoping to see some success out of. And so I'm seeing some change and we're excited about it.
0: Well, I mean, personally, I thank you as a member of this community that you're inspiring and doing the work here and that this work is spreading throughout the country and you're keeping tabs on it. Thanks to Realtor Jackie Berry for her insight and candor. Today's Crisis Brief is brought to you by Minneapolis Regional Chamber. Number one, get educated. In spite of the Fair Housing Act passed in 1968, racism still exists in real estate. Number two, put it on the record. Realtors must abide by a code of ethics for association membership and to use the trademark term realtor. Check with your state's local fair housing agency or state attorney general's office if you suspect a realtor is not treating you fairly. You can also file a complaint with the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, or HUD. Number three, get involved. Mar and other realtor associations encourage more people of color to become realtors and seek out leadership positions. Representation does matter. The Minneapolis Regional Chamber is a proud sponsor of the Crisis Files podcast. The Minneapolis Regional Chamber is the area's most active business advocacy organization, playing a critical role in top issues impacting the region, including workforce development, education, housing, and transportation. Make your voice heard by becoming a member of the Minneapolis Regional Chamber. Learn more at mplschamber.com or Google Minneapolis Regional Chamber. Thank you to my podcast co producers, Tom Hamilton of Undertone Music and Kim Inslee. Listen to us on demand. Go to thecrisisfiles.com for our archive, plus special video elements. You can also subscribe to our YouTube page at thecrisisfiles.com. Follow The Crisis Files on Instagram and Twitter. I'm Rashini Rajkumar. Join me next time on The Crisis Files.